Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Hello, my name is Wayne Gornson. I'm from Colorado Springs. I've been here it was about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, and I taught an inductive Bible study seminar, and I taught on a Sunday and a Saturday night. Um, real quick, um, been a church planner, been a missionary. Now God has us um, as entrepreneurs, my wife and I. And I just want to let you know that you can be used anywhere that God places you. Amen? But it's what is our focus? You know, so much of the time we focus on uh, what we call blessings. And as we look at blessings, we think, I'm blessed because look at my house. Man, I'm blessed because look at this car that I have. Or man, look at this job. And, and we fill in all these material things that we have here in this world. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 tonight. And I'm going to condense about three hours of teaching into 40 minutes because we're going to focus just on one section, but we can't go to that session without really looking through everything. And we're going to see that our hope is in heaven, that this spiritual blessings that we have are in heaven. Just like the songs we sang, it's all about Jesus. It's not about this life. And, you know, we can all say amen. This has been a crazy last 12 months as we look back. But you know what? Because of Jesus we can glorify him. Because of Jesus, we can stand strong through this without fear, without intrepidation, because our hope isn't here. Our hope is in heaven. Amen? Amen. So let's pray and we'll get into the word. Lord, we just want to thank you so much that you are a faithful God. We thank you that uh, you know our needs, that you hear our prayers, and through it all, Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, help us to keep our focus on you. Help us to keep our life in, in you. And Lord, through it all, we just thank you for what you're doing. Through the good, through the bad, through the ugly. Lord, we know that you are God and you are good. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing to a church that he knows very well. Yeah, if you go over to it, Romans, excuse me, to Acts, and you look at, you know, his conversations with them when he goes through, he's making his trip to Rome, that he loves them. So he starts out, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we could spend about 15 minutes there, but we're going to move on. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So what we have to focus on in the beginning, like I said, is that he's blessed us already with every spiritual blessing. Some of you might be here tonight and think, I'm not being blessed. You know, you don't know how hard my life is. You don't know what's going on in my life. Well, you are being blessed as you keep your focus on the Lord. Because Paul wouldn't write this if it wasn't true. 
He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. Now, a lot of your translation may say heavenly places in Christ. You know, the places have been added in by the translator, but it's the heavenly place that Jesus is in. You know, in Romans chapter 8, it says that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you by the perfect will of God. It also says that Jesus is interceding for you in the perfect will of God. So if we have two people out of the Godhead praying for us, interceding to us for us with the, the perfect will of God, aren't you blessed? But what's your focus? Again, this isn't our home. You know, some of you may know that about six years ago, I was in a terrible accident. And on a Wednesday night, I was going to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, and I received 350 emails from you guys. Because Ed got up here and Ed said, hey, you know, we need to be praying for Wayne. He's one of our missionaries that we were supporting. And man, what a blessing that was. It, it just, it blew me away at how much God loves me. As Chuck Swindoll says, God uses crooked sticks to draw straight lines. And if you want to see a crooked stick, just look at my life. But God has blessed me because he's God. So as we look at this text again, let's get back here. We're going to see in verses 4, 5, and 6, it's, the focus is the Father. So if you're taking notes, write down that. Verses 4, 5, and 6, the Father. You can even add 3 into that. And then 7 through 4, 13a, the first part of 13, we're going to look at, at the Son. And then in 13b and 14, we have the Holy Spirit. So here in Ephesians, in this very first chapter, in these verse, first 14 verses, we have the Godhead. And again, this is like three, ver three teachings in themselves, but I want to get down to verses 15 through 23 because this is focusing on, back on what God has done and who God is and who the Godhead is, so who, what we should do and who we should be in Christ. So it says here, um, just as he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. So this is the Father. God the Father has chosen you. God the Father has predestined you. I know there's a lot of different teachings about predestination. If you're hyper-Calvinist, you, you say there's like this double uh, predestination where God will predestine people to heaven and God predestines people to hell. But every place we read and we look in Scripture and it talks about predestination, it's in Christ. God knows you. God knows exactly where you are. It's like, you know, Jason over here. You know, he was an administrative pastor here, what, 12 months ago. Now he's a nurse again, you know? He, God loves him. God's, God's changed his plans. God changed my plans. It was part of that the predestination. God knew what he was going to do when he was going to do it. God knew that COVID was going to hit, and some of you were going to be terrified, and some of you were going to be sick, and some of your friends are going to die. But God knows it because he loves us so much. Amen? Amen. Verse 7. In him we have redemption. In who? In Jesus. Jesus is our redeemer. Right? 
In him we have redemption through his blood, not through our good works, not through our, our affiliation, not through anything, but through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now, this mystery of his will, he's going to get into that in chapter 3. So if you want to read ahead, you'll see. The mystery of his will is that the church had become one. The Jews and the Gentiles had come together. That there's no separation. Just as, you know, in this body of believers, we have different people from different, you know, male and female. We have white, black, brown, yellow. We have people that are all different races. God wants us all to be one. That's the mystery of his will in a, in a nutshell. In verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Dispensation just talks about certain times. God works different ways in different times. Same God, he chose to work through Israel. He put Israel on the shelf once Jesus came and died for our sins. Now he's working through the church, but he's not done with Israel. We look at Revelation, and God has a plan for Israel as well, different dispensation. So God does what he wants, when he wants, through who he wants, how he wants. Amen? You don't like your life? Don't blame God. You know, you don't like what's going on in your life? Start praising him, start worshiping him, start focusing on his goodness and what he is doing and what he has done. Verse 11 says, In him we also have attained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God does what he's going to do. Can, can anybody understand God, really? Can, is any of us going to counsel God? No. We, we know that good things ha- or bad things happen to good people or good things happen to bad people. But God is in control. Verse 11, in him we have obtained it, oh, excuse me, verse 13, in him who also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You, you might be here tonight and you haven't actually trusted in him. He's not the, the, the God of your salvation. You, you might be listening online here tonight and, you know, you're thinking, man, I don't, I, I don't know. Or you may be backslidden and you've gotten so far away. But the gospel is the good news. The good news is that you're a sinner and you deserve death. You, you've walked away. You, when you were born, you were born a sinner. Every one of my grandchildren, I have five, and they're the best grandchildren I've ever could imagine having, but they're all sinners. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Jesus shed his blood on the cross, but he didn't just stay on the cross, right? He's not on the crucifix like in a Catholic or Orthodox church. He, he's off the cross, and he went to the grave, but, but he's not in the grave. If you've been to Israel and you've seen the tomb, it's empty. And there's a sign that says, you know, he's not here, he's risen. And what did he do? He, he rose from the dead to conquer sin. And he ascended into heaven, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and me. That's the gospel. And anybody that receives that gift can have everlasting life. 
And everlasting life isn't just talking about eternity. It's talking about a quality of life today. Just as he said here, you know, he wants us to be holy and without blame. God wants to do a work in our life. Holy just means set apart. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It just means that you're set apart. You've, you've set yourself apart to let God do a work in your life. And you're willing to be used by him however he wants to use you. I love what Oswald Chambers says. He says that God's desires for you and me to abandon ourselves. Live a, a life of abandonment in arms open wide. Think about it. If any of you have kids, like how old is your daughter? Your two year, okay, two-year-olds are the best. She's two years old. And, you know, I remember back in the 70s, I was like in junior high, and I used to l live with these people on, the, on a farm in Iowa. And I'd go there because my mom had five kids, and she'd ship me away because I was the troublemaker in the family. But they had a little girl named Sarah, and Sarah was two years old. And she was up in the haymow, and Sid, her her daddy was down below, and she was, Daddy, watch, I'm Supergirl. She jumped out of the, the haymow, and he caught her. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to have that childlike faith where we're just ready to take that leap. Just jump for Christ and see what God will do with it. Amen? If you've ever done that, it's amazing. People will think you're crazy. My, they've, they've thought that my wife and I are crazy for the last, you know, 30-some years. We've done some crazy things, but it's because we want to live a life of abandonment for Christ. We've trusted in him, and he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll give us weird marching orders. He'll give us hard marching orders sometimes, but he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never let us go through something alone. Amen? So that's the gospel. And then 13b says, in whom also having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know what? We're sealed. The, the whole idea behind the sealing is that there's ownership. God has put his ownership on us. He sealed us, just like you'd, you'd seal a letter. In the old days, they'd put a, a drop of wax on a letter, and they'd have their signet ring, and they'd seal it. So that was like, you know, my, that was my, my, my calling card, if you will. But God has sealed us with his Holy Spirit, and he'll never let us go, just like we sang in that song. Never let us go. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of of his glory. He's guaranteed it. Just like when you buy a car, buy a house, you sign a loan, you guarantee that you'll pay that back. Well, we're sealed. We're, we have a guaranteed inheritance in heaven. You know, you ever heard the statement, <clears throat> he's so heavily minded, he's no earthly good. That's, that's just one of those weird sayings that's not true. You can never be too heavenly minded. Because the more heavenly minded we are here, the more earthly good we are. The other day I was in a house and uh, I was you know, talking to a customer. He says, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am actually. And so am I. And he's a youth pastor for a church down in the, in the spring. So we talked about ministry a little bit, and then we left. I went, that is so crazy, you know? It's like you just live your life because you're sealed, 
You know, you're, you get this guarantee of inheritance and you have this confidence, not in yourself, but in Christ. And people say, you're a Christian. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, that just makes me just want to just thank the Lord more and more. I can't wait till I get to heaven just to be worshiping at his feet. And, you know, because he's blessed me so much with this, this material world. I don't deserve it. But I have this guaranteed purchase possession in heaven. And I need to focus on that. Amen? So let's, let's focus these last few minutes on verses 15 on here. So it says, therefore. So when, when you see the word therefore in your teaching or your reading, excuse me, you have to say, why is it therefore? Well, therefore, because of God's faithfulness, the faithfulness of the Father, the faithfulness of the Son, the guaranteed inheritance of, of the Spirit, it says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul was a praying man. And he was thanking them for the, the, the church in Ephesus. He was thanking them for what God had done and what God was doing. Now, was Ephesus a perfect church? No. Yeah, as we read on here, we'll see some of the things. Just like in Corinth, he starts out in, in the book of Corinthians. And he says, you know, I thank God for all your gifts and everything about you. But then he starts rebuking them. <laughs> he's like, you know, you're, you're not doing this. You're not doing that. But see, we're imperfect people, Right? that God has chosen to do his perfect work through because he's predestined us, he's chosen us. So verse 17 says, this is his prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you, okay, write this down, or put a one by here, because there's four points in his prayer, give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Spirit of wisdom and the knowledge, the revelation in the knowledge of him. So wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. When we look at the book of Proverbs, it gives us a lot of good advice. So just being able to understand what's going on. And the revelation and the knowledge of him is to, to reveal to us as we read the, the word of God. This is the knowledge that we have. As we read the word of God, that he reveals to us, you know, what he's desiring for us and how he wants to work in our lives. So that's a good prayer for yourself. That's a good prayer for this church. That's a good prayer for the leadership in this church. Lord, give Ed the spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge of you. Amen? And then verse 18 says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So it's like, since you've prayed for this, and once you pray for spiritual wisdom, once you pray for this revelation and knowledge, the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. You ever have those aha moments? You're reading the word of God. You've read the same thing probably 5, 10, 20 times. And all of a sudden you go, ah, that's what that means. God is taking that scripture at that time in your life and revealing it to you. Or you're listening to Ed teach, and also you go, ah, that's what that means. Or you're listening, to, you're talking to Everett, or you're praying with one of the other pastors, and all of a sudden they say something, and it clicks, it just gels, everything just comes together. That's what he's talking about, this whole, your eyes, your understanding being enlightened, you, you see it. So here's the next part of the prayer, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. What, what is the hope of God's calling? I mean, how many times have you thought, you know, what is God calling me to do? Where does God want me to be? I, I was, got saved about 32 years ago. 
And I thought, man, what does God want me to be when I grow up? What does God want me to do? And how does he want me to do it? And, you know, I was just praying and praying and seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. Next thing I know, I'm a pastor. <laughs> it's like, wow, how did that happen? I, and, it, you know, it just, it just happened. But it started out with the little things. You know, it's like maybe a week or two ago, I was listening to Ed. I don't know if it was a Sunday service or a Wednesday service. He talked about how a lot of times people come in here and say, yeah, you know, God's anointed me and he has a plan for my life. And, you know, he wants me to, like one guy, he said, he wants me to, and you to blow up this church and build it up again. You know, what's with that? I mean, you get that all the time as a pastor. We were we had a small church. We, we had people like that come in all the time. You guys live in Denver. You, you, know, you got the, or the Denver metro area here in Aurora. And, you know, you get weirdos coming through all the time trying to tell you what they think God wants you to do in your life. But here's the hope of your calling. Heaven. Simple as that. Keeping your eyes on heaven. You know, keeping your eyes on the prize of the upward calling on Christ Jesus. You can't go wrong. As we keep our eyes on the prize and we run the race with endurance... Before we know it, we're going to die. I'm 63 years old. I've spent now 32 years, so over half of my adult life as a believer. And I'm looking for heaven, man. This body's breaking down. I've got a neck ache. I've got a back ache. I've got a reconstructed hip. You know, you can, I mean, any of you that are as old as I am or older, you know, yeah, all those years are catching up. But even more than just my body, because I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hurting, but I can't wait to see Jesus. Can't to wait, wait to hang out with Paul and Barnabas and ask them, you know, what, so what was your argument about, really? I mean, what, what happened, right? Or just sit there and worship, you know, because we're going to cast down our crowns. We're going to sit there. And we're going to be on our face for eternity. But then, you know, God's going to give us assignments. And what does that look like? You know, where am I going to be? And what's this new heaven and new earth going to look like? I don't know, but this is not my home. I, I'm okay dying. I, I'm, I'm okay. Six years ago, I almost died three different times in that accident. And that whole time we had peace. Well, my wife didn't have so much peace. <laughs> she, she was worrying for me. I was like, yeah, God's got this as I'm dying. Yeah, God's got this. But, you know, he wants us to know the hope of his calling, and that's heaven. So that's number two. Number three, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? The riches of his glory. Riches aren't what we have here on earth. Again, I'm a blessed man financially. God has blessed our business, and God has always taken care of us. When we were missionaries, you guys supported us, and we had a bunch of other people. We, you know, we got by traveling all over the world on less than $2,000 a month. How does, how does that happen? You know, it's because of God's blessings. God wanted us to go, and God wanted us to do things. Money is never an issue. It's always an issue to us, but money is never an issue to him. It's the riches of the glory of his inheritance and his saints. What's our inheritance? Heaven. Amen? Are you getting the point now? It's heaven. But we put so much focus here on this earth, and, and, and really this earth has nothing. I mean, it, it, I, I think of all the people in my life. If I, if I sat down and just wrote a little list of all the people in my life that have hurt me, man, I'd feel terrible. And if I just focused on all the, the pain and the hardship, I, I'd, I'd be immobilized. I, I wouldn't be able to do anything. 
But that's not my hope. That's not our calling. Our hope is in heaven. And God just wants us to go through. Do you think that the world was difficult for Adam and Eve when they got kicked out of the garden? Yeah. Think that the world was difficult for David, the mighty man of God, Moses, you know, all these, these men that we see in the Bible, Ruth, you know, the women, you know. Yeah, life is difficult. As soon as you start breathing, life is difficult. And life's going to stink sometimes. I don't know anybody that's had a perfect life. But that's because our hope isn't here. Our hope isn't that inheritance of heaven. Amen? Then the last thing in verse 19, he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Jesus in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. His power toward us who believe. He's talking about the resurrection power, guys. I mean, have you ever thought about that? You possess the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit that works throughout the world resides in you and me. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us to know that, that power that we have. Not the the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I claim that car. I claim that woman. I claim that whatever. No, that's not the power he's talking about. The power is to get through this life. You know, he sealed us. He sealed us. We're his kids. You know, we got the little niece down here. She's sleeping now because I put her to sleep. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty, pretty good, right? But you know, that little girl trusts her auntie like nobody else. My, my grandkids, my, my youngest grandkid is th- uh, four years old now. And his name is Matthias. We call him Maddie. And every time I come around, he's like, Poppy, Poppy. And he gives me a hug. And he says, Poppy, can I play the bubble game on your phone? And no, you can't play the bubble game on my phone. But he loves me so much. He wants to be around me. All my grandkids, when they, up until the time they're like three years old, they hated me because I'm, I'm a disciplinarian. One of my grandchildren said to me, Papi, are you leaving tomorrow? This is when they were missionaries in, in Honduras. I said, yeah. And he says, good. He walked away. I was like, what's with that? But now he's 10 years old and he loves me. See, sometimes God does things in our lives and we think like, oh man, I'm, I'm being disciplined. I hate it. But he, he disciplines those he loves. He wants to do a work in our life. If I'm in sin, I need discipline. I don't need more blessings to, to continue in my sin. But I need to realize that he's empowered me to live not a sinless life, but a holy life that's separated so I can sin less. Not sinless, where I don't sin at all, but I, the, the whole idea behind being holy and separated and, and put, a, put a, a set aside is that I'm going to sin less. So as I get older and once I get to heaven, it's like, oh man, like we've heard. What's heaven? It's a prepared place for prepared people, right? God wants us to be in that zone, trusting him. 
He has done a work. He's going to continue to do a work in our life. He set Jesus in the heavenlies at his right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. You know, as we read through this, and you look at Ephesians chapter 6, we realize that, you know what? As we pray on that whole armor of God from our head to our toe, literally, we realize that God has done a work and is doing a work and is going to continue to sanctify us, to set us apart, to, to cleanse us, to use us for his good work. You know, you guys live in, um, in my mind, a pretty crazy city. You've had some crazy things go on. But in the midst of the craziness that's happened here, what has God done? God has used your pastor. God has used you and many of you here to step in and be a part of that, to help people. Because why? You have hope. And if you're here without hope tonight, you need hope. You need Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. Your hope is in heaven. Your, your hope is in an inheritance that we have there. Amen? So he's done this work in and through Jesus. And it says in verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church who is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's put everything under his feet. He has total authority and you and I are his body. What does the body do? It works, right? You know, we're not saved by works, but because of what he's done in and through us, as it says in chapter two, that we're his workmanship created for good works. God wants to use us. But if we're so consumed with ourselves, we're so consumed with this crazy world we live in, we're not going to be useful because we're so consumed. We need to get out of ourselves, get beyond ourselves, and realize that there's no fear in Christ. He has done a work, and he's going to complete that work in Jesus. Now, let's turn over to Romans 8. I alluded to that earlier, but let's go to Romans 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And we're going to look at the second part of Romans 8, uh, starting in verse 18. It says, For I consider the suffering of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Okay? You're going to suffer in this present time, but it has nothing to compare to the glory of heaven. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We live in a corrupt world. You ever been to Costa Rica? You ever been to Hawaii? You ever been to one of those, you know, tropical paradise saying, man, this is beautiful. That's nothing compared to creation the way it's going to be when God restores it. Verse 22 says, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also ha who have the first fruits or who are we have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Like I said to begin with, I can't wait to, have, to get out of here. I can't wait to be taken home. You know, I, I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to, you know, not be foolish. 
and have, you know, die early or whatever, but I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't wait to go home. But here's the deal. So it says, for verse 24, for we were saved in this hope. Okay, so again, we're saved in this hope that it's heaven. The hope is heaven, the spiritual blessings of heaven. But hope that is seen is not hope. For, what, for why does one still hope for what he sees? If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. It's a confident expectation that we should have that heaven, our home, will be prepared for us, that we'll go there soon and very soon, that as we live this life, we need to realize that God is working in our lives. As I said, the Spirit intercedes for us. Let's look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know that what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We have the Holy Spirit interceding for each and every one of us to the perfect will of God. Yeah, life is hard, again, but the Holy Spirit's interceding for you. Put your, put your focus on that, not in this world. And we all know Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Because the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. Verse 29 and 30 talk about predestination. But let's jump down to verse 34 because, well, let's do 31. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What's the answer? Nobody, no one, nothing. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all us, all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, he is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Wow, the Son of God, the King of this universe, the one who created everything, he's interceding for us too. Isn't that amazing? So he ends up here in verse 35, says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall, shall COVID-19, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As, as it is written, for your sake, we are all killed. We are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but I'm even more excited about heaven right now because God has done a work and he's going to do a work. He's going to be faithful to complete it. Amen? Amen. Did you come here tonight and you have something on your mind, something that's just overwhelming, your job, your wife, your kids, your neighbor, your parents, your own health, whatever the case may be? Cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. Realize that right now, the Holy Spirit and the Son, Jesus Christ, are praying. They're interceding for you according to the perfect will of God. 
There's nothing that this world can hand us, that can throw at us, that can run us over, that will separate us from the love of God. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in heaven. You know, he wants us to live that life. Maybe you came here tonight and you're not a loving person. Maybe you came tonight and you're pretty hard. You know, you're angry at God. You're angry at someone in your life. You've been holding on to this bitterness your whole life. God says, give it up. God wants you to be, to know that he's loving you. He's interceding for you. God wants you to love those unlovable people in your life because he can use you in their lives. That person that at work, that's just a pain in the rear. I had one of those. I was a pastor, but I was working full time. Had this girl in the office that just hated me, just hated me because, I don't know, she just hated me. And then one day I said to her, I said, you know, Aaron, you're such a servant. I want to thank you. And she's like, I'm not a servant. Who do you think you are telling me I'm a servant? And I went, sorry, that was supposed to be a compliment. And about two months passed by and she came and she said, hey, Wayne, came to my cubicle. And I was like, oh, no, here she comes. Because every time she came, she was like, just one of those people. She says, you know that comment you made about servant? I get it now. Went, what? She says, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I prayed to receive Christ at, uh, at church yesterday. It was on a Monday morning. I went, sweet, that's so exciting. Because I chose not to get down on the mud. It's like the saying, you know, if you wrestle with a pig, you're going to get dirty, right? So I just, like, I just chose to, to serve her. She always had stuff on her, on her desk. I was one of the last people to leave. And she has, like, make copies of this, make copies of that. I would make copies for her. I didn't, no one was there, so no one knew who did it. And put it back on her desk. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to love her to death. And then she came to Jesus. Not because of me, because she didn't know I was doing those things, but God was at work in her life. So love, that's the hope of our calling. Heaven, that's the hope of our calling. You know, love the unlovable. Live this life with a focus that we're only here for a short period. When you look at our lives, so the average male lives to be like 78 now, I think, or something like that. And you take that lifespan and compare that to, say, like the earth is, I'm a young earther, so I think the earth is about seven to 10,000 years old. So do the, do the ratio there. Our life in that whole span is like less than, I think it's like 11 minutes or something like that in the scope of what I think is, has been, you know, the, the, the foundation of the earth. So if you're an old earther and you think the earth is millions and millions of years old, your life is just a second in comparison to a 24-hour day. I mean, what, what we live out, I mean, it's, you have that dash. Reminds, reminds me of Wayne Gorenson, Wayne L. Gorenson, 1958 dash whatever. That dash is all we have. It's a short time on this earth. So live for heaven. Don't live for the here and now. Amen? And again, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, he's screaming for you. He loves you with an ever-loving 
hard. He, he wants to see you repent of your sin. He wants you to, to come and be a part of the family of God. If you're here and you've backslidden and you're thinking, man, there's just no hope for me, and you're, you feel guilty and you feel ashamed, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the, the, Satan, the enemy, wants to push you away. He wants you to leave here tonight and go, yeah, that skinny guy up there in front, man, what a jerk. I don't like him. I don't, I, I'm, I'm done with God. No, he wants you to say, yeah, I agree. I'm backslidden. I, I've made stupid mistakes. I've, I've made poor choices. Lord, forgive me and help me. Just help me. And that power, that power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and it'll give you that help. Amen? Amen. So if you're here tonight and you want prayer, you're here tonight, you need Jesus, you need to rededicate your life. As we close up here, well, you know, people up front to pray for you. If you want to come down, I'll be over here. I'll pray with you. And you know what? Just know that God loves you because he's prepared a place for you called heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you're a good, good father. You've been so good to us. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord, even though we don't deserve the breath that we breathe. We thank you that even though we don't deserve the things that you've given us, that you love us. And it's not about what we deserve and what we don't. And we thank you that you've given us the hope of heaven, that you've poured out your love through Jesus Christ, that you've given us the power to live a life of love here on earth through your spirit. And Lord, I just want to pray for anybody that's here tonight that doesn't know you, anybody that's listening on, online or watching on, online, Lord, that you would just come down now by the power of your spirit and grab their hearts and their minds and that you would just enter them into the family of God, that you would just draw them close to you because you love them and you desire to do a work in their lives. So Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this church. I thank you for Pastor Ed and all that you're doing here. And Lord, I pray that you would bring more people back to the, to the, the live worship and get people out of their comfort zones and just bring them here. Bring them here to hear the word, to be refreshed. And Lord, that as you pour out your spirit here, that you would save souls and that you would use this church to be your hand, to be your feet, to be your mouthpiece. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.